0: This episode is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped have kindly agreed to continue sponsoring the podcast. You can use our promo code GTM to receive 20% off all products and free worldwide shipping. If you've not heard of Manscaped before, they're now the leading company in male grooming. Their products range from face razors to nose trimmers and their famous Lawnmower 3.0, which is a product specifically designed for in and around your never regions, so you no longer have to worry about snagging the bag. As a listener of Go In The Match, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping, with our promo code GTM, head over to www.manscape.com to have a look at all their range of products to grab yourself an absolute bargain. Welcome back to the Go In The Match podcast. Today I'm joined by Harry Siddall of City Extra and Over The Line Football. Harry's a massive Man City fan and a season ticket holder. Harry, thanks for giving me your time today, mate, and coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Okay, so I want you to take us back to your childhood, growing up as City fan, where were you born and how did your love for Man City begin?
1: A very boring uh, answer, but I was automatically a City fan um, through my parents. I remember it was quite a funny story of when I was born that they said to me, you know, you can do whatever you want in life. You can you can be whatever you want, but you're a Manchester City fan. And from then, you know, I had no choice. I was I was roped into it. Um, so I think I've got quite a lot to, to thank them for. Um, I grew up in an area called Salford in Manchester. And if you know Salford, it's a predominantly red area. Mm -hmm. So primary school, high, primary school is the only city fan. High school, I was one of three, but the two, other two were, uh, you'd say you're probably more casual fan. Um, I was the only one who was like regularly going games and stuff, Um, which is weird for me now. So when I go into primary schools, if I'm like doing voluntary coaching or something like that, yeah, I get a new class in and it's like seven or eight kids have got City shirts on and that's alien to me because I used to go in, it just used to be Manchester United everywhere and obviously they made my life hell because they were just winning everything up until I got midway through my high school year. City were, you know, lower down the table and Man United were at the kind of peak of their Ferguson dominance. So Derby days in them days were like City's cup final every single year. Um, But I've been very fortunate, I think, that sort of my prime years of what I'd call my prime years where I can actually go to the games a lot more regular. City have been, been this good, but it was definitely not always that way. And they used to have, United used to have some sublime players and I would used to to be like, yeah, but how good Sean Wright Phillips, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so, so, so yeah. So since then, obviously it's gone astronomical, but, but growing up and becoming a City fan was, was brilliant because I, I liked the uniqueness of it. It wasn't like I was su- supporting a club that was miles away from me. You know, it was still my local team, but I was the only City fan. It kind of felt like me against the world in terms of my mates
0: at times. Do you think like, I'm going to go and touch on about, you know, the City's rise over the last sort of decade and more um, to where they are now. And like you touched on there, you see more kids that are wearing City kits and stuff like that. And mm. I would agree with you as well it kind of feels in the same sort of vein as what Chelsea were like when they were they were around the 2005 era, when they were getting money and you'd sort of see people wearing Chelsea shirts, but you wouldn't see that years and years before. Yeah. For you as a fan then, do, do you, because I know there's sort of the, some, some City fans kind of think, well, we want to kind of go back to that being not smaller club, but it's hard to words, but, Without saying a smaller club compared to I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, th- there's definitely
1: a core fan base who preferred it mm. that way. I know Ricky Atten is a massive one who preferred it when there was just this core fan base. Yeah. But when you when you your club is planning globally as we are, to be like a global club, like a United Liverpool, etc., you're always going to get fans from abroad because that's how football works. You know what I mean? Like everyone wants to support a club in the Premier League. You're not going to just have Everyone in Manchester supporting City, there's going to be a more global um fan base. Um there was definitely a big, bigger togetherness um around around the club back in that day from the stories I've heard, especially back at Main Road. Um and all the stories I've heard. It's similar to I think I'd compare it to kind of West Ham now. Like West Ham have moved to this stadium and it seems to have like the soul sort of sucked out of them. Um I don't think it was quite the same with City, but main road was such a like a smaller stadium and it was more of a like a family fan base but i think the reason it's it's kind of gone away from that now is just to do with the territory like we weren't competing back then for anything so it going to the, the match was was a laugh but now people go to the match a lot of them expecting results if you know what i mean
0: yeah definitely so i go and touching on the matches there can you remember like the sort of first time you went to a match or anything that stands out from like your first match they experience?
1: Unfortunately, for, for content purposes, my first match was when I was three years old. I was very lucky that, um, before I was born, my, my parents were both like massive like match going fans home and away. They went everywhere with City. Um, when they had me, they still could go. but then when they had my sister and brother, they couldn't. So when they had me, I would I would go to some games and luckily, my first ever game was City's last game at Main Road. Wasn't uh, we lost we lost 1-0 to southampton on the day um but that is virtually all i remember of it because obviously i'm, I'm free but i've seen all the pictures of it and there is so much memorabilia so i in a way i kind of'm happy that that was sort of my first game i'd love to have experienced main road as it is now you know what i mean awesome. but um for a first game it's it's not a bad first game to say that that i've been there but obviously typically city lost <laughs> on that <on our> day <laughs>
0: So you touched on like the main road then, and obviously you're now at the Etihad. Um, Mm. I've never actually been myself, but I know from people that have experienced it, they say that it's a good ground, um, especially in this day and age. But maybe something that slightly takes away from the matchday experience is there's not much in and around the ground. Like being a Liverpool fan myself, we're obviously quite well. We've got a lot of pubs around Anfield, which is good for away fans too. Just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that as well.
1: Yeah, it, it probably is the case for away fans thinking about the area. Um, but when, when the stadium was, was built for the Commonwealth, it's a, bit of a in a really deprived area of, of Manchester. And it's only because of sort of city's investment that it has become like a really, really nice area. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a university there now. There's countless arena, cycling arenas, tennis arenas. There's, there's loads around there now. And obviously that is something that the owners have done that probably doesn't get as much praise as it, as it should do um and even like the the, the city in the community program that was that's been going for 100 years that's been going for a long before the investment have come in so they've they've done a lot around that area but i think it's all to do with ritual so like for city home fans this is a pub round around city called mary d's and i know that's a lot of a lot of the kind of the hub where all the, the city fans go if they're going for there um me personally home games for me I, I go with my granddad so it's a bit more bit of a different thing so I like to meet up with my granddad beforehand and go on to the concourse have a drink and speak with him um so I think it all for home fans in particular it depends on what your specific rituals are and what you like doing before a game but I can understand the point in the away fans because you know where the coaches is part you literally just shove straight into the concourse uh, especially if it's like a big game like Liverpool versus City for example so so I, so yeah, I could I could see that, but for home fans, there is areas around there that have just become like such a staple that they they don't want to do any different. They want to go to this specific place and then go to the game.
0: So touch on like away grounds now as well. Have you got mm. sort of away games or grounds or stories or anything that you could share with us that you've enjoyed over the years? Um, I'm not too
1: sure how it works with other clubs, but City do a ticket a point system for away games, um, so it's like advertised on. On, on the Twitter and it's like 24,000 plus on your season ticket are going on sale at this time. So for a fan of my age, it's virtually impossible to get onto the away ticket system if you want to comfortably get tickets for the likes of Anfield or Old Trafford or them sort of things. Um, and it's, it's weird the way it works. So It's like you, you get tickets for your season ticket and then you get tickets. So like they do initiatives. So it's like, obviously, if City draw Burton at home in the Carabao Cup third round, not many are going to go. So the, the the offer is that you get double your points for that game if you if you buy it and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. how long that's been going on, it'd be impossible for someone my age to break into that that sort of ticket band um, until I'm like 56, there, unfortunately. But it doesn't mean I'm not, I've not I've I've gone to quite a few away games and obviously we call Wembley Etihad South because we need to seem to be there virtually most years. Um, and obviously the one that probably sticks out in every City fan's mind is. It's the FA Cup final in 2011, Um, maybe the semi-final, but I was in City Square for that day um, and that was just such a nervy atmosphere. But the final, that day of kind of ending that weight and and tearing that kind of 44 years banner down at Old Trafford was such an apprehensive day because look, looking at it on paper, City should have absolutely tonked Stoke, but City being City... Uh, we were kind of thinking of how it, how it was going to go wrong. Um, so Wembley is always a nice day out, but I've been to other grounds that I'm quite happy. Cause I'm a keen like ground hopper type of fan. Like I'd love going to other grounds. Yeah. So whenever a cha- I get a chance to get an away ticket, I can get it. So White Hart Lane is one that I'm really happy I got before it was knocked down. That was in like the peak of Aguero's powers. He's, he won the Golden Boot that season. He was on fire. He got the winner that day. There's other like significant moments, like at the start of Pep's reign, I went to I went to Watford, and I don't know. Uh, with away tickets for, for Liverpool, but Watford is such a small allocation yeah. that it's virtually impossible to get tickets there. So when I got there, City demolished them that day, like 6-0, but that was a great... It, it depends because it's you have your core like away fans that go every week, so you know, you know who's going to be there and who's not. So getting hold of the away tickets has always been the harder problem for me. But when I go, I always say that City have got some of the best away support um, in the country, and I know a lot of fans say that, but I, it's always it's always brilliant. Um, but the next part, of it for me will be getting hold of trying to get hold of these sort of European big European tickets and and the and the big games at like Old Trafford and and Anfield because it's it, it's virtually impossible. for a kid my age, without absolutely grafting to try and find a tower who's selling one, and that's virtually impossible because everyone wants to go to these games, especially now we're going be, when we go back. Um, so that's a, probably the next stage for me but we've had some we've had some brilliant away days but wembley um that fa cup 2011 final is probably the one that sticks out in my mind
0: i suppose like with city progressing and becoming a bigger club and getting more experience mm. in europe and you kind of expect city to be in europe every year now um yeah i suppose when i've when i've done the podcast, speaking to different guests of different clubs on here um the ones that aren't lucky enough to be in Europe. They always talk about having that ambition to go to a foreign country and experience that. Is that something now that with city that not that you take it for granted, but mm. you expect city to be in Europe every year? Does that almost become because I remember when city first got into Europe and you'd see the fans were like they seem to be proper enjoying it. Does that mm. maybe take away from their experience a little bit, knowing that they're going to be in Europe every year? Maybe
1: this is this is going to be City's ninth time in a row. I think we've already qualified um for, for the tournament next year. So that's a massive achievement. But as well, I, I know it's I know it's quite a good joke around, but City's draws, like especially recently, have been abysmal in like the group stages and stuff. So like you go to all the home games, but some of the away games are like so rogue that it's quite hard for for, for people to go. And it's like the away ties. I know there was an away tie last year where it was like Shakhtar on like a Wednesday night and we'd already qualified and we sent out the EDS and stuff like that. And it, it, it's impossible to get tickets as it is. And then the, the travel on top of that. Yeah. Um. Maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of fans take it for granted, but I think, I think it, the big factor is that we've just had some terrible draws. It's quite annoying that this year we've had, the, we could have had the chance to go to, to Dortmund. That'd have been amazing. Um, yeah, and Paris, you know what I mean? So it feels like all the cracking draws we've got now have come in a year where we can't go, which is more frustrating. But there has been there has been a what was the one the year that ever oh when Napoli were playing in the in the San Siro, That that was a big one for City fans. But apart from that, because of the draws we've had bar, you know, the initial hype of us getting in, um there's not been. Mu- I don't think there's been much hype of us going to these sort of places because the, the, the games are just expected to be a formality for City.
0: So this is the first Man City episode I've actually done the podcast, and I've been meaning to do mm. it for some time now because I've always yeah. had a genuine question to ask a City fan. There's always so much um, made of City's fan base in terms of attendance and things like that, and I, I kind of liken it to PSG in the sense that people perceive that just because the club's got money. That they don't have a genuine and passionate fan base, which we know clearly isn't the case for both clubs. <laughs> but I just wanted to know: How does that make you feel as a City fan when you hear and you see, see the sort of like the mockery on social media of City fans? How, how does that make you feel knowing that that isn't the case and you are a match going fan?
1: Yeah, obviously we know it's it's, it's not true. This, like I said before, this core of about 30k people that used to watch City when they were in like Division Two and that was way before my time. Yeah. Um, and they're still here now but I think it probably just relates to a point that I made earlier about city being like a more of a global team now that like did uh, City's a lot of city's representation on social media in terms of the core of a global fan so they're obviously not going to be at the games too. Um and I just think some some things that city have done of like when they boosted the the south stand like I get it but city weren't get in full houses every week before that anyway. Yeah. So it just kind of enhances that opinion that City weren't going to get them numbers. Um, but one thing I would say is that if you came around this area and spoke to people that like I know and that are around this area and you're, kind of, you're lifelong like Manchester United fans and if you go to Liverpool and speak to Liverpool fans and then any other club really who, who live near this area, they don't speak like that. They know that City have a, a group of fans who have have been here long before the, the investment has come as well. Because they still, no matter what, like City still had a rivalry with Manchester United, whether in the division two or not. Yeah. Um, so the local fans know it's more of a global thing. This sort of dig of City having no fans, no atmosphere. And look, I get it, right? Look, the the atmosphere at the Etihad is is is, is pretty dire at times. It can be brilliant. But do, do any, many crowds get up for like a three o'clock game against Burnley at home? Like, There's this South, south Stand bit, which is brilliant next to the away fans. But apart from that, it's, it's, it's not like that. It's never been like that really since we've moved from Main Road. It's not a new thing. Like before the investment as well, City's atmosphere wasn't incredible, but it can be when it wants to be. But obviously, you know, social media age, it's very easy to nitpick on stuff.
0: <laughs> so I mean, talking about atmosphere, the one moment that you did have the just incredible atmosphere, and um, was obviously that iconic Premier League moment with uh, Aguero's last minute goal against QPR to win your first title. So, I'm not sure that gets beaten in Premier League history for me. I struggle to see how it ever does, um, and that pains me as a red to say that. But I just wanted to know how that moment was for yourself and describe that sort of emotion around that.
1: Oh, wow. The the day was uh, similar to a lot of games in City's recent. I mean, we'd only just recovered from a couple of absolute mental... We we had three games left and we had to win all three to, to win the title. One of them was against Manchester United and we won that. And then we left it to the last 10 minutes against Newcastle and we'd only just recovered from that. And then, you know, look, looking at it on the bare face. QPR at home is the most winnable of winnable home games, considering how good City had been that season, especially at home. But there was still just this sense of how can City fuck this up? Like how can they fuck this up? Because it, they they've done it countless times before. Um, the emotion switches on that day. I've never sort of experienced from from going one 0 up to to going two one down. I've never seen such a like a the, the silence when Mackie scored QPR second in the ground. It was just like wow. Like we're gonna we're gonna throw this away. Um, but even when even when Jekyll scored the equaliser. I think I was with my mum on that day and I was just thinking, we were going, please, Sunderland, score an equalizer against United, like begging Sunderland to be like, please score. Um, and then I don't think I could kind of put into words what, what that moment was like. I just kind of sunk to my knees in absolute tears. Like, we've we've done it. Like, what 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 is going what what next? You know what I mean? It was such an unreal feeling. It's like all my friends growing up experienced this year on year on year being united fans and it was just such an norm to him it was so alien to me that now suddenly we're top dogs it it was just it's hard to put it put it into words and it's just like i'll forever be grateful to to sergio aguero for 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 that day um and that moment just all the permutations around it even the, the scenes at sunderland when the ferguson's celebrating and them running around with a tops off, and the United fans, and then just a the moment of realization when he scores, it's just oh, it's golden. Honestly, moments like that is it's just golden, especially with, around the whole narrative of United and, and and Sitter. I just don't see any permutation where that is beaten in terms of a moment. It is literally the advert for the Premier League, and it will be for, for 50, 100 years.
0: Something I probably wasn't actually going to ask, but I've just kind of thought of now. Um. You know, if, if Aguero does, doesn't score that goal, you don't win the league. Yeah. i us say that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Do you think that City would have gone on this dominance like they have done? Or do you think that there would have been any sort of change?
1: Oh, God, that's a tough question. It's one that I don't want to think about. Um,
0: I mean, I, I, only ask, I only ask it because I think you look at how close that really was. It's in the dying seconds of the game. Like we were talking, it's, it's never going to get beaten but could that change the landscape of how the club then goes forward obviously you win mm. the and we all know the dominance that the clubs had um yeah within england recently but i think i i don't think that gets talked about enough if that goal didn't go in yeah there's been, there's
1: been a few key moments in city's sort of history that have that have sort of led to how dominant we were um i know my mum is a big advocate for talking about dickoff's equalizer in the uh, the playoff final in ninety nine and if we didn't get up that day god knows what would have happened to the, the finances and stuff like that. Um the two yeah Touré yeah, total eight goals the year before in the in the FA Cup semi-final and final were, were huge. But that goal as you say probably arguably the the biggest of the lot. Um whether City would have gone on and dominate like we are now I'd probably argue yes because the structure you've seen since that's happened, the structure we've got in place at the club and the people working behind the scenes have recruited really well. And they would have, as much as it had been heartbreaking, mm. I wouldn't have betted against City coming back and winning the title again, like the, the season after, because we were just in a perfect place. I actually think in terms of timeline from the takeover, that 2012, was probably a year earlier than they'd expected to win the premier league. Like the the ultimate aim was to break the trophy duck and they'd done it the year before. And then it was like, well now, and that same season was the first time we got top four as well. So I think it was expected to, that season was kind of like a a test season in the champions league. Obviously we got a horror draw in the group stage that year. And and then in the league, just see how we did. But by January, it was looking like city were really going to mount a title charge and, to put but to put in to get put in the position we were in and if we would have threw away like that, especially to United, it could have had massive psychological effects. Yeah. But I'm also confident that the people in charge of the club are too clever. And, and as much as I think they, they would be an emotionally invested, they're not as emotionally invested as fans. So it's like a business. So yeah. they would have seen it a lot differently and there'd have been a lot more investment. And I think we would still would have gone on and 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 dominated in in the way we had. Um, what
0: effect that would have had on the players and the fans it doesn't bear thinking, honestly. <laughs> so just touching on Pep Guardiola's tenure at the club and listen, I think he's personally gonna end up being one of the best managers, if not the best manager who's ever lived. Once he's come to really, <laughs> yeah. At the end of really? his career, wow. I think he does at the end of his career. I think he, he, he'll go around, maybe he'll do Italy after see maybe he'll do a national team job, maybe win a World Cup. I think he's that good. Um, right. but I just wanted to get your thoughts as a City fan on what you love most about Pep if you had to single one thing out.
1: Single one thing out. I'm going to have to say his dedication, um, not just to, like, like a game by getting basis, but to City. Yeah. Um, he's going to be at the club for seven years, and that's nearly double what he did at his Boyle Club, which is which is incredible um and i think there's a couple of occasions where it was looking very bleak for pep about like what was going on at the club and how the players were performing um and i think replacing the spine of vincent company torre silver and aguero was always going to be his hardest job because he was never going to have them for his full tenure um but since then he's took us to heights that i didn't even know we could achieve um three Premier Leagues in four seasons is sort of Fergie style dominance in it like it, it, no one speaks about it but like it is like, that, that's how Fergie used to dominate the league um, and then the, the sort of 198 points in in two seasons and I always argue that as much as as incredible as that 100 points is that 99 where Liverpool were in 98 I know it might be a bit of a, a sore subject but the way Liverpool and City kind of kept going for that final 14, 15 games is somewhat beyond I've ever seen. And I think he's proven a lot of doubt was wrong, especially after last season when I think just last season it was just Liverpool were up here and anyone else was just was just nowhere near how good they were. Yeah. That he's managed to turn that around and especially after the start we'd had. He'd gone away. He'd signed a two-year extension in probably the period where a lot of City fans were doubting whether it was going to continue after this season. And he's turned it around to the fact that we are talk about him having a, a quadruple. If you'd have asked that was after we got battered five two at Leicester on the second game of the season, you just would have laughed it off. So it's pure dedication to this club, which is amazing from from my point of view. Like I just thought, you know, Pep is the type of manager who stay for his four, three four years and then he move on. Um, but the fact that he's he's kept he's kept going at it has shown that we've got a good structure in place for him to. To um to continue, and I wouldn't be surprised if he stays even longer. Honestly,
0: well, I hope not, because if he does, that we're <laughs> not going to win anytime soon. But <laughs> we're well, well,
1: we go- we're gonna we've got we've got to take advantage of it, just like you've got to take advantage of Klopp in it. Like these are the two of the best managers we- we'll ever have at your club, your respective clubs. You know what I mean? So you- we've just got to enjoy it while we can, and it- there is always going to be negatives. And I was actually asked a question last week about the quality of the league and like if United are the second best quality in the league, like what is this league about this season? I said, I think it has just suffered from Liverpool massively dropping off. Like if anything, you look at the last three or four years, there has been City and Liverpool and then the rest have been rubbish. So at the moment in time, you've just got to enjoy having these managers in the league while you can because when these two go, the quality in the respective clubs, no matter who you get, is going to massively drop for me anyway.
0: Yeah, 100%. I suppose just carrying on talking about uh, Guardiola there and his teams he's mm. had in City, obviously some incredible squads, You know, the strength and depth's just amazing. Um, yep. He's also bringing youth players through and people like Phil Foden as well. So you can't use that against him either. Um, obviously people throw the, the saying that he's a checkbook manager. I, I understand that, but you've got to also look at it like if he's given the money, why wouldn't you spend it? And especially on the players that he knows that are going to fit his system. When you combine those two things together, you know it's it's going to be a match made in heaven. Um, but you've also had like Mancini's teams, um, Pellegrini's as well, that have also won the league. What would you mm-hmm. say your favourite team out of all those have been and why?
1: I had a long think about this because. I mean, this team this season is slowly but surely becoming, just because of the pure sort of togetherness of the, of the side. But the 11-12 team, you know, we talked about the the spine already, but that team will always be City's team that, that ended that that run. Um, and apart away from the, the quality players we had amongst the spine, there were so many players who truly cared about playing for the club, like Zabaleta, uh, them sort of Micah Richards, them sort of lads truly cared and, and there was such a connection between especially Roberto Mancini and the fans and Pet will go down as City's greatest ever manager no doubt but Mancini will always hold such a special place in City fans' hearts because he got what it meant to manage City you know yeah. he hated United with everything he had he hated Ferguson he hated everything to do with United Um so that 11-12 team for me it is probably the maybe not the most the greatest ability wise because the greatest ability wise has obviously been from when Guardiola came into now. Yeah. But in terms of what it means to the fans, I think that, that team with the likes of company, Joe Hart, Zavalera, etc., cetera, um, is probably my favorite. But these, this team at the moment is slowly creeping up because this, I think there's so many stories within the squad. I know you just mentioned Phil Foden. But it was like like even last night, I know we're gonna come on and speak about it, but it wasn't a fifty million pound signing that that did it. It was a local lad from Stockport. And that is just such, like the club will have loved that because that is such a brilliant story and it's a it's a reflection not just for the club but for Pep that for these youth players if they, they bide the time and let Guardiola do what he does there is opportunities for you to come through and shine on the biggest stages like Foden did yesterday. Obviously not all youth players are going to be Phil Foden level, <laughs> but it's showing as much as we can sign these players, there is opportunities there for you to come through and, and be a star for him.
0: You touched on the 11-12 season there. We've also got mm. a question here from our mates over at the 10th Pine Podcast, which is, who do you think has been the most important player over the last decade at City?
1: Oh my God. Um Most important player. Um, I mean, factually, it's Sergio Aguero, goals wise, but I don't think it can be underestimated the impact Yaya Toure had on on Manchester City. Um, I've listened to a lot of stuff from Yaya since he's left and about how he came to the club. And obviously he was one of the first that was signed under the, the sort of investment and it was a big risk for him to go from winning Champions League with Barcelona to City, who just finished like 8th and 9th the year before. Um, and at times, he single-handedly dragged us to, to trophies. Um, the semi-final goal against United and the final goal against United uh, Stoke um, propelled City to what it is today. That 2013-14 season where he scored like 20-odd goals from defensive midfield, which and obviously, I think he, I think he missed out on the player of the year that he used to Suarez. Am I right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and and it was just like, I mean, I remember them two going at it every week as well. Um, he's definitely City's most important player in terms of turning up in big moments. It was sad the way he's left because I think what was what's been good about the way David Silva's left, the way Vincent Kompany's left, and now the way Sergio Aguero's leaving to a degree that they've gone out at the top. You know they've gone out and Yaya. I think Yaya leaving came a couple of years too late because it was quite obvious by the time that he was never ever anywhere near the standards And It was sad to see him on the bench most weeks and kind of petering out. Um, but he was he was the man for us that, that that stepped up in so many of these big moments that you'll remember as a city fan for for, for years and years.
0: So just touching on this season now and at time of recording, you've just beaten Dortmund to progress to the Champions League mm-hmm. semifinals. finals with PSG awaiting you. Um, you're also on track to win another Premier League, which as I read, boils my blood to say the least. Um, <laughs> also a final at Spurs in the League Cup and also still in the FA Cup. So as you touched on earlier, the quadruples that we've talked about a few seasons ago that you didn't do it is a genuine possibility that it could happen this season. What um, mm-hmm. are your thoughts on this season as a whole so far? And do you think they can do it?
1: I think the world's too shit at the moment to not dream of winning all four trophies. Like, why not? Like, There's nothing going, why not get carried away of winning stuff? Like, <laughs> It's the only sort of, and I think I, the way I think about this is like, it's made me realise it as like a match day going fan as well like how important going to the match day was for me because as much as I love watching football and city and stuff it's all to do with the experience of going to a football match like I go with I'm a season ticket holder and I, I go with my granddad every week and throughout this whole time the realization that you don't go to football for for that 90 minutes you go to the football for the experience where you, your family and, and your friends is really like dampened me and proper made my mood horrible throughout this whole time yeah. because as much as it's such a small thing in in relation to everything it's an escape for a lot of people and it's an escape for me and it's a chance to see a really good family member that I've I don't see much often and escape from the reality of world for a remote, for that 90 minutes and just watch a team um, so why not get carried away and think City can win all four? Um, I said to you just before that it would be typical that no one's there as City win all four. Um, but with the Premier League all but done, the semi final this, this weekend's a big one. And uh, especially if we if we win that and we play one of Leicester or Southampton in the final, we're already in a one off final against Spurs and then a Champions League semi final. It's, cl- it's the closest we've ever been. Um, but this is the this is the crunch point in the season, um, and if I was very negative on a podcast recently, and I was just like, "Look, it can go two ways. We can either have won one, or we could be on the possibly a possibility of winning all four by the end of April." Um, so these these are the crunch moments now. But from from that moment at the start of the season when Guardiola signed the contract, winning we've won twenty eight of our last thirty games. That this season has just been beyond what we expected. Because of you know how often the games have been, I think the players have deserved massive credit for the way they've the way they started the season. And obviously, I think signing of quite obvious the signing of Ruben Diaz has has kind of transformed us a bit, a bit, bit more than I expected, definitely. But the the players have seemingly got together and and just give it their all. And winning twenty out of thirty is is incredible in any season. But I think just in in this season where it's been. They've been away from the families for for a lot of it, and they're in this COVID bubble and stuff. It's it's fantastic, um, and I don't want to say it, but it is scarily a distinct possibility that we can win all four. And I just I was thinking to myself yesterday, just United dominated football for for ages and and won that treble. We could we could like usurp that this year. That's 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 terrifying. Um, and I think sometimes a lot of City fans take for granted how much we've dominated um, these this, this clubs that would kill for a Carabao Cup, and we've won three, and potentially the fourth one uh, in a row. Um, so this season is beyond what I expected. Um, a lot to do with personnel that we've brought in and other players kind of coming into form. But a lot of it for me is, is down to the manager and, and the fact he's, he's gone away, he realised what he's been doing wrong, changed it up and brought the best out of the players.
0: And that's enough of talking about City potentially winning quadruples. and. <laughs> uh, so, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you produce content for City Extra, uh, also have yep. online football too. Just wanted to touch on both the roles that you do there and how you got involved in both of them. Um, well, I I left college and I had
1: no idea what I wanted to do. Um because I'm not really skilled in a specific area if I'm being completely honest, but I love talking about football and that's all I did. So obviously I'm doing a, I'm scarily. I'm about to finish a a degree in a couple of weeks time uh, in multimedia sports journalism. And during uni me and a friend started up city extra um, as a result of there not being really much city representation online in terms of like a, Sort of, I don't know what compared to Liverpool, like an Anfield rap sort of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so we thought there was a massive kind of gap there, uh, and obviously since then it has just grown massively. Um, we're a sports affiliate, a Sports Illustrated affiliated site now, so we're doing well there. We've got a YouTube channel. We've, I think, we've just hit 120,000 followers on on Twitter, so it's massive. Um, and then over the line football is is, is is the sort of YouTube side of it for me personally, because I've never really got into YouTube. And and YouTube, as you know, is, is massive nowadays. So me and my friend um, started that up. And, and, and that's only quite a recent thing. But it's just about, for me, learning stuff and, and getting better at stuff, because at the moment in time, in the sort of jobs market, especially in, in media, is very saturated because – a lot of the, a lot of new stuff is saturated, like pod, podcaster are uh, saturated, I feel at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then YouTube content, especially since people have had to stay at home, you know, like match watch alongs and stuff. Yeah. Um, they become a lot. So it's trying to find new things to do. And in the market at the moment, there's not a lot of jobs going. So it's about trying to just keep on building up my skills and keep on trying to do stuff. And hopefully, hopefully stuff becomes available. But, you know, it's crazy what social media can do and what opportunities can, can come up with it and who you can speak to. So it's just, I just think it's really exciting. Uh, and hopefully now, now I'm leaving uni, I'm going to have the opportunity to do that um, full time.
0: And where can people find the sort of links and for the podcast and the YouTube channel? Yeah. Um, City Extra is just at
1: City Extra City underscore extra on on Twitter Um, should be pretty easy to find. Uh, YouTube uh, is over the line football. You can access it through Twitter if you want. It's at over the line uh, YT on on Twitter, but the YouTube channel is just, it's not a city thing. It's like a general football thing. So we talk a lot about England because my friend's a Bristol City fan. So there's not much kind of championship representation on YouTube at the moment. So he talks a lot about them, but we, we tend to focus a lot more on the, on the England side of it, especially with the Euros coming up. So if you, if you like that sort of chat and want to get involved, feel free to, to to go and subscribe.
0: Fantastic. So finally, the podcast is centered around going the match. So of every podcast we're doing, I want to end by asking? What are your top three favorite matches you've ever been to or seen? Right. So can we just
1: get one out of the way? One is obviously QPR versus QPR versus city. That will always forever be my number one. Um, I was tempted to do a top three without it, but you can't not mention it when you talk about favourite games as a City fan. Um, In third, I've gone with the 6-1 at Old Trafford. Um, Not just due to the absolute battering we handed them out in their own backyard, but in terms of what it symbolised for City, a year after kind of finally ending the trophy drought, they've gone to the, the nearest rival's backyard and absolutely spanked them. Um there's so many iconic moments in that game you know the why always me Bartelli t-shirt silver's volley for the fifth goal there's the 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 funny moment when Jekyll doesn't even realize how many of city have scored they've scored that much um it, it's just the absolute battering we handed them out on that day um sort of symbolized city wanted not just to be the, sort of the top dogs in manchester but competing for for trophies um both on in Europe and in in the league, um, and then second, I, I couldn't really, I, I I tossed and turned between a few. Obviously the, the two the, semi final against Manchester United in the the FA Cup in 2011 and the final were both brilliant, but I've gone for a more recent one and I've gone for City one than nil, okay. in with with Vincent Company's goal just be just purely for kind of Vincent Company, um, that the whole kind of tension on that day was was unbearable. Um, the Monday night, you know, like, you know, when you've got an eight o'clock game, it's horrible. You wake up and you've still got 12 hours to <laughs> to kind of stew on it. Like it ruins your entire day because you've got 12 Good hours table. to stew on it. Yeah. And City were rubbish that day. It was really cagey, nervy. There was pop shots from 30 yards. And I think that's what led to me being firmly in like the Sergio Aguero, no Vinny, don't shoot camp when it came about. Horrible! The, the silence just as Vinny was about to shoot, and I went, "Don't shoot from there!" And he just smacked it in. And for City fans, especially for, that have lived through City's era, now, if there was one player that deserved that moment, it was it was Vincent Kompany. Um, he's a player that gets talked about as as one of the best Premier League centre backs, but he never played as regularly as we'd hoped for uh, for him. Injuries were hor- horrible to him. For such a quality player but maybe even never the most naturally gifted of defenders although i thought he was a brilliant defender he was just a pure and utter leader and the fact that he was bought before the investment he kind of captured everything that every city player should aspire to do when they pull on a shirt he was literally um mr manchester city and i had a feeling a couple of weeks before the game that this might be vincent's last season just the way he was acting uh, and when he scored that goal and did the lap of honor you know you he was, he was in tears and I knew that, but what a way to kind of to go out for him. Um, so that whole day and the whole relief of that, and I know we had another game to win it and obviously that went a bit nervy at the start as well, but that was felt like the title was done. Um, and for him to have that moment, for me, he's one of my favourite City players ever. And to, just for that moment alone, I, I put that in second behind the QPR moment. Um, and then the sixth one but I think it's a testament to, to how good it's been in the last couple of years that there are so many moments that I could have interchanged them with. QPR is one, and it's far one, but then any selection of moments before, it's just what you prefer. Me being a local City fan, beating United will always be in my top three, um, but for, for, for other fans, there's other moments that symbolise different, different parts in their sort of City fan journey, but for me, beating United's, always oh, sort of number one priority in the season
0: <laughs> fantastic so just before i let you go mate just a massive thank you for coming on giving up your time really appreciate it i oh, know worries, mate thank you for having me on i've enjoyed it if you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes please make sure you subscribe follow and share and of course leave us a five star rating you can now follow us on facebook instagram and twitter all at go in the match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast